Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have Kim Lisa Taylor on the call. Kim, I really appreciate your time. And uh, if you want more information, including a copy of her free book, head over to syndicationattorneys.com. And I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes, but really appreciate your time today. Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. So, well, if if you haven't been able to tell based on her domain name, we are going to be talking about syndications and the proper way of handling that and how and how to raise private funds. So uh, let's just start, jump in. I always want to kind of set a baseline for our listeners. Can you briefly describe what a syndication is, especially coming from a lawyer? I'm guessing that that might have a different definition for, compared to an actual syndicator. So it's really just, you know, instead of buying real estate, by yourself, you're pooling money from family and friends in order to buy bigger real estate or more real estate. So it's really just pooling resources for a common goal. Sure. And I understand there's a couple different levels of syndications, right? You know, you have to have an, one is accredited investors and some have to be informed investors. What are the distinctions there between the different types of syndications? So there, what you're referring to are securities exemptions, that these are um, promulgated by the Securities and Exchange Commission, and there's different levels that you can pick of these exemptions, and one is called the Friends and Family Exemption. That one allows you to bring in an unlimited number of accredited investors and up to 35 non-accredited but sophisticated investors. And then there's another exemption that's very commonly used that allows you to advertise, but everybody has to be verified accredited investors. So with those two exemptions, one is called Rule 506B, and the other is Rule 506C. Um, when you're dealing with those exemptions, you have to understand what those definitions mean. So an accredited investor is someone who has over a million dollars net worth, excluding equity in their primary residence, or they have $200,000 a year income if they're single, or $300,000 a year income if they're married or um, a marriage equivalent uh, couple. Um, the So people who are not accredited don't meet that definition, but then in order to invest in the friends and family 506B exemption, then they would have to be able to demonstrate that they're sophisticated, which really just means that you know, it's more than somebody with just some savings and a job that's never invested in anything before. They have to have some investing experience, maybe some real estate experience, or have gone through some training to understand the process of investing in a group syndicate and uh, how that works and what kind of risks are associated with that. Sure. So, you know, it's always interesting to find out, like, how did you come around to being so engrossed in syndications like this? So I started doing this in uh, 2008. Uh, I, my husband and I went to a multifamily training seminar to learn how to legally raise private money. We went to the RE mentor one that was held by David Lindahl. And um, 
during that process, we learned that, you know, of course, if you're going to buy bigger real estate and multifamily projects, that you're going to have to have either a ready source of income or you're going to have to uh, be able to pull some investor money. I was a, um, an attorney at the time and realized that if I was going to be doing this, I should probably really need, really needed to learn how to do it well so I wouldn't lose my law license. Um, so I, uh, we went to a private money training and learned, you know, what the nuances were about securities laws, what those exemptions meant, what those definitions we just talked about meant, and how you could legally approach people to invest with you, what kind of relationships you had to have with them. Uh, so I met another attorney that was doing it at the time, and I started working with him. And uh, we ended up forming a law firm together. And then uh, I just really immersed myself in this practice um, while my husband went on. And um, we did syndicate a property with some friends. Um, but then uh, he decided he, he, he went ahead and retired. And I continued uh, in the law practice, really enjoying this area of the law. So uh, really just start, found my niche in uh, helping people put these deals together. So in 2016, I started uh, this firm, Syndication Attorneys, and uh, just you know, we've, I've been the responsible attorney for probably well over 400 uh, syndications. Sure. So are you limited to the areas in which you serve or is it uh, nationwide? So because everything that we're doing is under federal law, we're able to help people in any state. Sure. You've done over 400. I, I, you've seen everything then I'm sure in, in comparisons, or do you still find that uh, uh, things surprise you? I learn new things from my clients every single day. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, based on that, let's say somebody is interested in starting a syndication. What are the few things that they should have ready before they come to you to, to discuss this possibility? Well, they really have to have gone through some kind of training to understand or training or have experience in what they're buying that they now want to bring investors into. Because, you know, you don't want to learn how to, you know, buy the wrong properties with investor funds and then make $100,000 mistakes. So you really need to get some training or experience or team with somebody who's done it before. So if you want to buy multifamily, for instance, go get some training on how to buy multifamily properties and what not to buy, what to buy you know, and team with some experienced syndicators who've already done it for your first few deals. And that way you're going to de-risk that investment for your investors and you're going to get the experience you need to be able to go on and do it on your own and to be able to qualify for bank loans and all of that. So so really it's just you have to learn how to buy what you're going to buy and, and what's a good deal, what's not a good deal. And then when you come to us, then we can teach you what nuances are and, uh, you know, what's involved with raising the money legally. Sure. So, and, and then the, the packet that you're talking about that you would, you would help them put, would you help them put that together? I know that one of them is writing an effective uh, investment summary for the investors. Is that something you help with as well? Yeah, so there's different types of investment summaries. So, so that's the we like to have a standalone marketing piece that gets attached to legal documents because you don't want your investors to have to wade through 140 pages of legal documents to try to figure out what you're doing. So if you can put that into a succinct package where you're just explaining the investment to them in plain English with some nice photographs, you know, explaining what the property is, what the opportunity is, where it's located, what's around it, uh, you know, what you plan to do with it to make it better than 
perform better than it was before, showing what kind of funds you need to get into it, what your uh, pro forma is for how it's going to perform for the period of time you plan to own it, and then what your possible exit strategies are and when those might occur. So that, that's really what goes into an investment summary for a specific project. And then there's people that want to do funds where they want to invest in more than one project. So for them, they need to write a business plan that says, these are the kinds of things that I'm going to invest in or that the fund will invest in and you know, making sure that you set out what the parameters of those things are so that if you find projects that meet those parameters, you can go ahead and use the fund's money to be able to invest in those things. So we can help create um, both of those. You know, We offer our clients templates on for the, the specific offering. We call it specified offering investment summaries when you're buying one specific project. And then we also have a team of talented uh, professional editors and graphic designers that can create these fund investment summaries because we found that's the biggest stumbling block to somebody being able to do the fund they want is that they, you know, they're either not good writers or they just don't have the time to sit down and spend 20 or 30 hours to write up a good plan. And uh, we have people that are devoted to that. So that's kind of how we can help people like, you know, move their projects forward if they've been thinking about something for a long time and they haven't really pulled the trigger. Well, I'm, I'm guessing that you run into on occasion some people who've put the cart before the horse and they've they've tried to get get things started on their own. What are some of the main mistakes that you've seen people make that uh, could have easily been avoided? Well, we do see a lot of people coming to us that want to create a fund and raise money for multiple projects before they've ever even done one. And so that's generally a mistake because it's going to be very, very difficult to raise money if you don't already have experience doing the thing you're raising money for, unless you can demonstrate a very specific project and people like the project. So we usually recommend that people start with a specific offering first, and then uh, after they've done several of those, then they may want to go on and do a fund. So we do see a lot of people trying to jump into a fund when they're not really ready to. And we try to discourage them because we don't want to write legal documents for people that are not then going to be successful raising the money. Um, We also see people who have these specified offerings or who are trying to buy a specific project and they, we call it a rookie mistake that they end up talking to the wrong people. You know, they start instantly thinking, oh, I'm going to go to hedge funds and I'm going to go to institutional investors and family offices and they're all going to invest with me and I'm going to find one single investor to take on the whole deal. And that just doesn't really happen. Um, you know, the people that are successful at syndicating and go on and do multiple deals are the ones that really take the time to develop a database of prospective and $100,000 investors and pool all of them together in order to do their, their deals. Uh, these big investors are usually too, too polite to say no. They'll string you along and, uh, you know, it's always kind of an unattainable hurdle. Well, if you do this, then I can do it. And and then they end up just disappearing and uh, and not doing the deal. So I always recommend that you don't spend time talking to those people because you really need to spend the time developing relationships with your friends and family and people that really will invest with you. Sure. So just a reminder, it's syndicationattorneys.com. Take advantage of the free book. And I understand you also have a podcast, Raise Private Money Legally for Real Estate. We do. Yes. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, we've been uh, doing monthly recordings for over five years. I usually try to interview, I'll either teach a subject or we'll interview 
someone who has some service or product that's related to syndication so we can introduce our audience to those people and, and the services they might need. Um, but uh, yeah, we've got, uh, we just reached over 4,500 downloads. So that's a, a big milestone for us. And uh, we continue to grow that uh, audience. Well, congratulations on that. I mean, sticking with something for five years, that's that's something to say right there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a learning experience for me. Yeah. So uh, with that, you, we, you, I know a lot of people, their one of their first inclinations regarding syndication is how to leverage people's self-directed IRA. Are there rules and guidelines associated with that that they should be aware of? So right now, uh, we do have a lot of clients that bring in uh, self-directed IRA investors or 401k investors. There is some proposed legislation that uh, would eliminate the ability of those uh, type of investors to invest in these kinds of offerings that depend on their financial qualifications to invest. Um, But uh, last I heard about that, that the uh, provision that was going to prohibit that had been removed from the bill, but you never know what's going to get stuck back in. So that's still under debate. Uh, right now, but we're hoping that those provisions don't don't happen. So as of right now, the people with those kinds of investments can invest in these types of deals. And as long as the syndicate that they're investing in has direct control of the real estate, there's no prohibition on the the amount of money that can be raised from uh, retirement fund investors. Uh, If uh, somebody is kind of one step removed, if they're raising money to invest in somebody else's deal and they're not going to have direct control over the real estate, then there is a limitation of 25% of those funds uh, can only be, is the limit that can be raised from those types of investors. Do those people also still have to be an accredited investor? Is that kind of a a way to step around it. No, that they would still have to qualify. the The account holder still has to qualify for either the accredited or the uh, sophisticated investor standard. Sure. Well, you said that there was some legislation that's kind of pending regarding that. Is there any other legislation or changes that people maybe should be aware of? Yeah, that's the only one I'm aware of right now. So, um, you know, we're just hoping it, it's it's part of this reconciliation bill that's being debated right now. So we're just you know, hoping that that doesn't make it into the final bill and uh, that this, this issue doesn't become a problem for those investors, because one of the provisions would be that they would have to divest themselves of any of those types of investments within two years, which is a problem because a lot of those uh, investments in real estate, if you're buying a commercial real estate project, the typical hold time is five to seven years. And so if somebody just bought something last year in a five to seven year hold and they have some self-directed IRA investors, if this proposal were to pass, then they would have to find a way to get out or replace those funds with cash, or they would have to uh, take it as if it was a distribution and pay the tax on it right then. Sure. So, you know, I I would suspect that you have an opinion on some of those crowdfunding services. What What are your thoughts on that? And and uh, it seems like they they can seem to be skirting a few of these rules. Well, there's different kinds of crowdfunding. Um, so there's the regulation crowdfunding, which is the big thing that got the buzz uh, way back when the crowdfunding uh, became effective. And this is the regulation crowdfunding allows people to raise um, up to $2,000 from anybody, um, but they can only raise it 
through these uh, registered investment portals that have gone through a registration process with the SEC or with FINRA, which is the uh, Security Self-Regulatory Authority. So um, if they use one of these portals to advertise their deal, then they're allowed to advertise and allowed to bring in these investors. Um, There's some issues with that. If you raise over $500,000, which is very, very common for real estate, then uh, you have to do an annual audit on the fund, which is going to really cut into your profits. So it hasn't, uh, regulation crowdfunding has been widely used for people that are doing startup companies or non-real estate type offerings, but it's been, you know, lightly used for real estate offerings. There's another kind of crowdfunding, and we mentioned the exemption earlier, the regulation D rule 506C that allows uh, investors to advertise And so that too is called crowdfunding. And there are some uh, websites and uh, platforms that uh, will allow you to post your Rule 506C offering on their platform and then they'll push it out to their group of investors. So, um, you know, you would pay some kind of a marketing fee to them for doing that. And then their investors would invest directly in your deal. Um, We've had some clients that have very successfully used some of those crowdfunding platforms, but they are very, very selective about who they will allow to put deals on their site. And so they're only looking for people that have, uh, you know, like $10 million worth of deals that have gone all the way through from acquisition to sale. And, uh, you know, very, very picky about who they'll take on and and the kind of experience your team has to have before they would even do it. Sure. So let's go to the flip side here. Since you are an attorney associated with this, I'm sure you might have a different perspective. If somebody was interested in getting involved in a syndication, what type of questions do you think they should consider asking? So you always want to know about the track record of the sponsors or the managers. You'll hear them called various things. So sponsors, managers, uh, GP, general partner. So look at their experience of their team and how many of these deals they have done before. You know, talk to, see, ask if you can talk to some other investors in some of their past deals. Um, You know, look on the internet to find out if people are saying bad things about them. You may even want to ask them, would they be willing to undergo a background check? And sometimes they may just provide you with a report or they may get, you know, very offended by that. And those that get offended by that, you know, that's kind of a red flag. But then you've got to look very closely at the documents. So if you don't understand the documents, then you should be hiring somebody to help you understand the documents. And so the things you want to look for are the fee structure. What kind of fees is the management team going to take? Do you feel like it's fair? fair compensation. If you don't, then don't invest. Uh, look at the what's called the waterfall. So there will be a distribution schedule, and we call it a waterfall, that shows that when there's profits to be distributed, that they're going to be distributed in a specific order. Make sure that you understand that waterfall and where you would fall in within that waterfall. And uh, you know, if you don't understand it, if it's overly complicated, maybe it's not the right deal for you. You know, you can, um, we've helped people before look at other people's documents to help them understand what their requirements are and what things that the manager can do without their consent. And, you know, those are the things you want to look for is what, you know, what kind of voting rights do you have? What things is the manager allowed to do without you, your participation? And, and is there a removal per, uh, provision for the manager if they don't perform? 
and they just disappear and they stop uh, responding to you, is there something that the members can do in order to uh, remove that manager and put somebody else in place to, to manage that investment? And it could be that something happened to that, you know, those people. So you always want to also look and see if it's just one person running the show. What happens if something happens to them? You know, who's next in line? Who runs the show? Who, uh, who keeps the investment going for the investors until it can be sold? Sure. <laughs> You know, I usually like to close things out with with some actionable items, and I think you already gave us one. Where if you're interested in some sort of syn- to doing a, a syndication, you need to go through some proper training on how and and how to purchase that that type of asset. Is there anything else that you can think of that they can somebody could take action on right away in order to set themselves up to this for for a level of success? Well, I would suggest that you read my book. Um, You know, you can get a free copy of it at our website at syndicationattorneys.com. You can get a free digital copy uh, instantaneously. Uh, I wrote the book step by step talking about what you need to do first, you know, starting with, you know, learn what learn about the thing that you're going to buy and how to buy it and how to buy it correctly. And then start thinking about the steps related to the syndication, which are going to involve making sure that you understand securities laws so that you follow the correct laws. You don't ask the wrong people to invest. You don't advertise when you can't, but also learning how to structure a deal with investors so that you know how to split money with them, what they expect and what, what is that waterfall? How does that look? you know, what kind of fees are common for a manager to take. So the book is really just a step-by-step, uh, you know, process. It's, it's um, written in plain English, you know, the same way I speak. So um, we just, you know, I think it's it's a good, valuable resource. And it's gotten a lot of good reviews. You know, I, that does lead me to another quick question. Is there like servicing companies to help with this type of thing? You know, you get the property, you get the syndication under control, and then now you have to satisfy these investors is there are there services out there to help manage some of that uh, sometimes i think a lot of people take a lot of this on themselves and that i could see how that could be fraught with issues yeah there well there you could hire a fund manager but they're very expensive uh, there are some investor management platforms that can help you keep track of investors and how much they've invested and you know how much has been paid out to them uh, they give you a place to post reports periodic reports about how the property is doing and also to port, post your K1s and your tax forms and, and things like that so it just kind of keeps everything contained in one place and usually these platforms will also allow the investors to to log in themselves and see what's going on with the investment. And uh, it just requires that if someone's going to use one of these platforms, that you have somebody that's dedicated to maintaining it and keeping it up to date and and providing timely information to the investors and then letting them know that there's something new that we posted at the platform. Sure. Well, I really, this was a great conversation and I really appreciate your time here today. And, and, uh, if you're more, if you have more questions or would like more information, make sure to head over to syndicationattorneys.com or check out the podcast "Raise Private Money Legally for Real Estate" podcast. Uh, make sure to have those links in the show notes. But um, I mean, you can't beat the price. If you take take advantage of the free book. So, if you want the hard copy, you can get it on Amazon. It's the number sure. one Amazon bestseller. So, but before I let you go, is there a question you wished I would have asked you here today? You know, I think you were pretty thorough in your questions. Um, you know, I guess the one thing that uh, we hear people trying to do a lot, that's a big mistake, 
uh, is trying to draft their own documents. And uh, yes, you may be able to get some templates, but I can tell you that there's been plenty of times that we've had uh, clients come to us that have asked us to help them fix what they tried to do by themselves. And uh, if we can do it before you start raising money, then we're able to help you. But once you've started raising money, if your documents are wrong, then you could get in trouble down the road. Uh, you know, this isn't, uh, uh, you know, it's like heart surgery, right? You don't want to go to a general practitioner for that, or you don't want to try to do it by yourself. You really need to uh, hire a professional that can help guide you through the tax pitfalls and the deal structuring, and also making sure that you're complying with securities laws uh, adequately. Well, I really appreciate your time again. Again, it's syndicationattorneys.com. Uh, well, you're welcome back anytime. I hope you'll take me up on that invite. Uh, absolutely. I'd be happy to come back. Thank you for having me today. If you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.